The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 23rd College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Banditos' fresh May daily kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. Notre Dame has become a dangerous football team. Ian Book, do you agree? Yeah, we're feeling dangerous. No, the guys are doing great. You know, we talked about winning in November, protecting our house. We're doing that right now. Uh, we got one more week to keep doing that and uh, keep achieving our goals. Notre Dame is having a November to remember, and indeed, they have become a dangerous football team. Exhibit A. Against Virginia Tech, just when things got chaotic and the battle looked lost, Ian Book rallied his team in sudden and lethal fashion. As the Irish took control of the line of scrimmage, willed their way down the field, scored in the last minute, and walked off the field victorious 21-20. Exhibit B. Ian Book struck hard with 139 rushing yards and four touchdown passes as the Irish thrashed a game Duke squad in their own backyard. Irish win 38-7. Exhibit C. Next, the Irish dismantled Navy, the number one rushing attack in the nation by forcing fumbles, corralling the best rushing quarterback in the nation, and unleashing a not-so-secret weapon in Chase Claypool, who tied a school record with four receiving touchdowns. Irish win, 50-20. And Exhibit D, last week Boston College, a rival boasting a two-headed monster of a rushing attack and a big physical offensive line was rendered impotent in a first-half Irish offensive salvo turned into a full-scale second-half bombardment. Irish win, 40-7. The 9-2 Irish, led by a swarming defense and a resurgent Ian Book, have become a dangerous football team as they look to close out the 2019 regular season on a November steamroll that will catapult them to double-digit wins in a New Year's Bowl matchup. So hey, Stanford Cardinal, the Fighting Irish are in town, and it's time for your ride into... The Danger Zone. Banditos with three Fort Wayne locations, Waynedale, Georgetown, and Glenbrook Commons. Banditos is fresh made daily. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight. From America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, Senior Editor of IrishIllustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Coors Light the official beer of Saturday morning. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and ability provides peace of mind. Combining local expertise with access to national and international experts through their affiliation with BDO, the fifth largest accounting firm in the world. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning. The full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! 
This is Art Salzberg. I don't endorse everybody, but I found a company that I think provides a great service. The company is Shearer McCulloch, and what they do is targeted specifically for seniors, people who may be thinking about downsizing and are overwhelmed by the thought of what it's going to take. Shearer McCulloch will pack you up, move you, and then sell your house and everything that's left. Now that's the most comprehensive relocation service anywhere, and what I call in sports terms covering all the bases. Shearer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They're looking to get top dollar from people who have an interest in the special treasures you've collected over the years. Shearer McCulloch is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms. If Sharon and I decide to make a change in lifestyle, we'll be calling Shearer McCulloch at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. We trust them, and we know they'll make things easy and profitable. Coors Light presents A Word from Kirk Herbstreet. It's Saturday morning, and that means it's time for college football. It means your fridge is filled with Coors Light. It means last night's pizza is this morning's breakfast. And washing it down with your first Coors Light of the day is worthy of an ah. It's Saturday morning, and it means showers are optional. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. Tim Priester, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and to and, you, Phil. And thank you. And Brian Kelly was asked this week what his favorite side dish at the Thanksgiving dinner table was. And to me, his answer was somewhat uninspiring. He said squash. So first he of all... A lot of heat. He took a lot of heat for that. I, uh, yeah. I as well, he should have, and so I was going to ask you what is up with that. You just answered that question, but so let's let's try and fix this a little bit to show that all uh, Notre Dame people don't have weird tastes. and And tell me, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Well, f- first of all, I would never criticize anybody's favorite side dish because I'm not a judge of one's taste buds, but. I would probably go somewhere in the potato family, and just for fun, I would say, I may get criticized for this, but I would say sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes. Uh, You should come to our house and have Thanksgiving dinner sometime because you would like the way my wife prefers sweet potatoes. Okay, that's not bad. Uh, Slightly better than squash. My choice would be oyster Dressing. I like oysters and I like dressing. So to me, it's the perfect combination. So oyster dressing for me, squash for Brian Kelly. Okay, last week the Irish posted their fourth straight dominant win, but a bit of a slow start for the offense. 16 to 7 lead at halftime, but in the second half, things got rolling as the Irish finished their drives with touchdowns instead of field goals like they had in the first half. Leading rusher in this game, once again, Ian Book, 66 yards. Tony Jones, 61 yards on 15 carries. Braden Lindsay did that all in one carry. Tim, no Jafar Armstrong carries at all. He's been back for injury now for five weeks. What's going on with Jafar Armstrong? I think Sebo Flemister just beat him out last week. Tony Jones, of course, the lead guy, and I thought Tony Jones had a had a really solid game. Uh, but Sebo Flemister is a, he's been a running back most of his life, and so I think it comes a little bit more naturally to him. And Brian Kelly made a point of saying that Jafar Armstrong's not in the the doghouse or anything, but Lance Taylor, the new running backs coach, I mean, he makes the decisions as to who plays and based upon what they do during the week. And Sebo Flemister was ahead of him. I don't. I mean, they they need to find an answer, and they haven't found it beyond 
um, the, the the consistent level of play, but not spectacular play of, of Tony Jones Jr. Well, one of those answers that I think they have found has been the incorporation of the jet sweeps. Uh, that's kind of given that element to this offense that was missing with the uh, that Dexter Williams used to have because we have had some explosive plays, uh, but the running attack still not where it needs to be. Okay, I mentioned field goals. Jonathan Doerr, again, solid three first-half field goals that were critical when the offense was bogging down. Four total in the game. Now 12 of 14 on the season, perfect on his extra points. What a great success story. He's not just a, a, a decent kicker. Tim, he's become a weapon. He really has. I mean, you go back to the USC game and how significant his three field goals were in that game as well. This was one where, you know, midway through the second quarter, Boston College is winning 7-6. to six. And so every one of those three field goals in the first half, and then uh, it started, the Notre Dame started to pull away in the, in the second half. But, um, you know, every one of those kind of kept Boston College at an arm's length that allowed Notre Dame to have a, a two-score lead going in at halftime, which is much, with as much as Notre Dame spun its wheels in the first half to be able to go in at halftime, with a two-score lead, I should say two-score lead, um, you know, that was significant. So uh, he's great. I mean, I just, I admire the way he just so calmly drills the football through the uprights. I mean, there's, he seems very calm. He seems uh, in control and very confident. He's having a great year. Yeah, junior Jonathan Doerr now has four half-ending field goals this season. Uh, that's really important when you score right before halftime. Uh, for taking momentum into the locker room. Now, Tim, in the passing game, the ball was really nicely spread out. Komet, Fink, and Claypool each had seven catches and a touchdown. Ian Book, 26 of 40, 239 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions again. Another nice number. Tim, I want to talk about Chase Claypool. You did a really nice background piece on Irish Illustrated this week. And this old young man, he's overcome some real obstacles in his life. Talk about that. Well, a ton of obstacles. Uh, to a uh, long story short, and, and to quote former uh, Notre Dame offensive coordinator uh, Mike Denbrock, who was also Claypool's receivers coach as a, as a, a freshman. I mean, he, he basically raised himself. Uh, a bunch of siblings, mom on the road, uh, working, and he had to do uh, uh, pretty much everything for him for himself, and that required then some adjustments as he got to. University of Notre Dame, a, a much different environment, but he's really thrived and, and uh, a kid that's shown great fortitude uh, through good times and bad and is now really reaping the rewards of, of his hard work and dedication and maturity. He it, it took a lot of growing up for him to be able to come to Notre Dame and handle all that's thrown at you at a place like that, as I often said, uh, have often said, I had to adjust and I was born and raised in South Bend when I went to Notre Dame, so uh, great story, great football player, and the best is ahead of him with the NFL awaiting. Yeah, and for more of that story, a, a really good story done by uh, you, Tim, uh, go to irishillustrated.com. Tim, let's talk about defense. If you were to describe in just a few words the style of defense that Clark Lee likes to run, how would you describe it? And also, how likely is he to be back next year? I've got to believe he's going to be on some short lists to take over at a program. Yeah, you know, I think he's done a particularly good job this year of adjusting to various defenses. I'm not sure that he was as prepared to do that last year, but they've they've faced a wide variety that they have, including USC, which wasn't the typical USC approach. 
So he's had to be creative. And the deeper Nordane gets into the season, the better his defense has become. They're they're great against the run. They're in the top five or ten in most uh, pass defense categories. I'm not exactly sure. I guess the word I would use would be varied or versatile. Um, and, you know, I mean, that kind of keeps it fresh for players each week when you have to learn something a little bit different. But when you're going through a 12-game schedule, that can be difficult in addition to, um, you know, the physical toll that the season takes on you. But he's been great as far as uh, somebody pursuing him. Uh, his alma mater, Vanderbilt, has decided apparently to keep Derek Mason, so that's good for Notre Dame short-term. But I've said this all year. I think Clark Lee can and will be at some point a, a head coaching candidate at Notre Dame, which would probably require him to go somewhere else to be a head coach first. Um, so if if that is the case, I guess it, it speeds up the process to preparing him uh, for being a head coach. Nobody at Notre Dame has said that that's what will happen, but I think anybody that knows Clark Lee knows he's a pretty sharp guy, and he seems to project toward that role down the road. Well, apparently he's just a tremendous communicator, and that will serve him well someday as a head coach and, and also in an interview process uh, when those other programs come knocking. Uh, Tim, this week's opponent, Stanford, who we're going to go into detail on in the next segment, uh, but the Irish have had a very difficult time winning in Stanford Stadium. Brian Kelly has never won there, and the last time the Irish did win was under Charlie Weiss in 2007. By my calculations, you've been in Stanford Stadium about 14 times. What's a game at Stanford like? And I get the impression that it's not exactly an SEC caliber experience. Well, it used to be easy to go there and win. Uh, even when Notre Dame wasn't very good, Notre Dame would go there and win because Stanford was worse. There is, and they win not so much this year because they've lost three times at home, but they have had Great success winning at Stanford Stadium, but it's not because they have a home field advantage with the crowd. People in Northern California really are pretty indifferent toward Stanford uh, football. And it's it's really a great environment, Northern California, this time of the year. I think this weekend will be the exception, but normally it's wonderful there, the weather at the end of November. Uh, but no, it is not an intimidating place. The most intimidating thing about playing in Stanford Stadium has been just how good Stanford has been, but they're They've slipped a little bit this year, so it's a great opportunity for Notre Dame and Brian Kelly to end that losing streak. Well, you got to figure to always uh, travel considerations are a factor, time zones, all that, but it's not because the crowd there is intimidating. Tim, okay, it's that time again, and in the spirit of Thanksgiving holidays, today will be our last installment of the Be Thankful You're Not a Fan of feature. Uh, so far, we've talked about the messes at Tennessee and Nebraska. I want to mention a few other Blue Blood programs who get honorable mentions in this category. Uh, for having hit hard times. Take a look at the last few years, fans, if you're interested, at Arkansas, Florida State, USC, and Miami, all schools with great traditions, but not a lot of success recently. And this week, Tim, be thankful you are not a fan of the Texas Longhorns. Tim, when we were kids, no one was feared like the Texas Longhorns, but this program the last several years has struggled. Yeah, Darryl, way back when, Phil, when we were young, Daryl Royal, who the stadium is named after, um, you know, was was dominating things. I was a young kid when Notre Dame actually went there and ended their 30-game winning streak. But it's been tough. I mean, they did win 10 games last year, but that was the first time that they had won double digits since 2009, um, back, back in the Mac Brown days. 
Um, but it's been tough. I mean, there's a string of string of years there where I think from like 2014 to 17, um, they only won like 23 games or so. And, and they're struggling again. I, you know, a lot of people thought under Tom Herman this year that they would really turn it around. Uh, not so much turn around. They won 10 games last year, but at least continue that process. But they are six and five, I believe, as, as we speak now. And, um, they just haven't been able to put it all together, which for some old timers like the, uh, like us, it's, it's hard to believe because that was absolutely a blue butt blood program uh, years ago. Well, four losing seasons in the last ten. Uh, they've only had two top twenty five finishes in the last ten years. Uh, three different coaches in six years, uh, and as you said, this season they have struggled to a six and five mark. Uh, and you know there is nothing bigger than Texas football. I mean, just ask a Texan, and he will tell you that. But not a lot to brag about in Longhorn Land for the last several years. So, folks, be thankful you're not a Texas fan. Tim, revisit for a moment your preseason prediction for this football team in terms of wins and losses. Now, I was at nine and three. Uh, I hope that doesn't come come about. By the way, how is your prediction gone? I said ten and two with losses to Georgia and Michigan. Now, you know, I've always said that the real predictions are the ones that you make uh, the week of the game because so many things change in football: injuries, et cetera, um, depth chart changes. Um, but uh, but so far that that has proved to be correct because it's. I mean, you just knew how difficult Georgia was going to be, and and when Norton played Michigan at Michigan, Michigan wasn't playing real quality football. They certainly have since then, including the Notre Dame game. But I, I you know, I, Brian Kelly has at times struggled on the road. Those would be two opponents to struggle against. Um, I did predict that Notre Dame would end their losing streak to Stanford in Stanford after five straight losses there. And it looks even more likely now, but uh, rarely am I that accurate in the preseason. So, yeah, it's it's difficult for sure. But uh, one thing I think we were all, I suppose, wrong about is that uh, we all had our main concern going into the season on the defensive side of the ball, and the defense really has uh, been much more steady and and surprising in a way than the offense. So it looks like the Irish are almost certainly heading to Orlando for a December twenty eighth showdown in the Camping World Bowl against a Big Twelve opponent. Tim, who is that opponent likely to be? Well, let me throw a wrench into it here for a second because I'm getting signals from various people that the Orange Bowl is still in play for Notre Dame if they finish 10-2. and two. I don't exactly know how that's possible based upon uh, the teams that are ahead of them, so I'm not ruling that possibility out, nor the Citrus Bowl. Uh, but still, if I had to place a bet, I would place it on the Camping World Bowl and I uh, Camping World Bowl and um, Oklahoma State, I, I, I would say, is the maybe they have to play Oklahoma this week. I'm not sure exactly how that impacts uh, win or loss. I'm not exactly sure how that impacts them. They would fall to eight and four if they lost, which is what most of us expect. But Oklahoma State, uh, interesting team. Mike Gundy, uh, we think of them as a passing team. They're more of a running team this year. Iowa State's another possibility, and they are much more of a passing team this year. I would say those are the two most likely candidates uh, if Notre Dame does go to the Camping World Bowl in Orlando. You know, the the presence of the Orange Bowl officials has been so obvious because they wear those orange blazers at the Notre Dame games this year. And, uh, you know, 
sometimes funny things happen. So don't book those plane reservations for Orlando yet, but it does look like it's likely to happen on December 28th. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Factor of the Week, brought to you by our friends at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. This is the 338th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. Shining through these windows of mine And I want it to be easy, easy Treat each house as if it was your own. Our mission statement at Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Hi, I'm Jim Bushy. At Bushy's, we're proud of our home improvement products that we offer, and we are even more proud of the award-winning installers who will come to your home. Right now, take advantage of our 12-month 0% interest payment plan, and estimates are always free. So call Bushy's at 456-1247, stop into our showroom, or check out Bushy'sFW.com. Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Your clear choice. Your clear choice is Bushies. Your clear choice is Bushies. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. Notre Dame outscored their home opponents this season by 188 points, the biggest such margin since 1932. Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba is a full-service accounting firm dedicated to providing personalized service and professional guidance for a wide range of personal and business needs. Call them today. Hey, I'm Kirk Herbstreet, and I watch college football like it's my job. It is your job. I know, but sometimes I like to get out of the booth and chill. Here, have a Coors Light. Thanks. So, where was I? You're on my couch. In my spot. Oh, is this your spot? It's a nice spot. Great view. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview, the number 16 Irish finish out the regular season in Palo Alto against the Stanford Cardinal this week. TV coverage on Fox starts at 4 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, and Premier Pontoons. We share your boating passion. And we now continue our series on the great defensive players of the last 60 years. Last week, it was the great Manti Teo. This week, another linebacker of extraordinary talent. Jalen Smith, the pride of Fort Wayne, Indiana, Bishop Lures High School. And he won the Butkus Award in 2012 as the nation's top high school linebacker. And he was a consensus five-star prospect. He committed to Brian Kelly, and when he came to Notre Dame, he immediately became a starter. He excelled at outside linebacker under Bob Diaco and then moved to the inside backer position when Brian Van Gorder took over in South Bend. Consensus All-American his junior year in 2015, he again won the Butkus Award this time as the top collegiate linebacker. Tim, speed, strength, and instincts, a charismatic persona, 
It was a devastating course of events when he went down with a serious knee injury in the Fiesta Bowl, his last collegiate game against Ohio State. But no surprise that Jalen Smith is now excelling for the Dallas Cowboys. And I will always remember him lining up opposite my football playing son in a high school game and, yes, tackling him really, really hard. I don't think it would be an exaggeration to say the the finest front seven athlete that's ever played for Notre Dame. I mean, certainly Ross Browner was a tremendous dominating player, different kind of player, bigger, bigger guy, more of a defensive lineman, whereas Jalen Smith was a outside linebacker. But, uh, you know, I, they, Notre Dame certainly didn't maximize his ability with Brian Van Gorder as a defensive coordinator because he never sent him, sent him after the quarterback on a blitz, which seems like a waste of talent. But Jalen was a delight to be around, um, a, a, a great representative of Notre Dame and an absolutely fantastic football player. And now the, you know, now the real Jalen Smith, now that he's fully recovered and playing on the NFL level, we're seeing what the, the real Jalen Smith can do. And it's a heck of a lot. Yeah. You know, when Jalen Smith was in high school, he led Bishop Lures to four straight state championships. That's remarkable. Jalen Smith, another Marina at Lake Gage, all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aston Mortgage key to an Irish victory. Uh, Tim Stanford is 4-7. and seven. Last week, they fell a Cal at home, 24-20 to 20 for their third straight loss. There is just one common opponent on the schedule. Back in week two, the Cardinal lost to USC 45-20. to 20. Last year in South Bend, the Irish prevailed 38-17, to but a Brian Kelly team has never won in Palo Alto. The last Notre Dame victory there was in 2007. Tim, this is a team that has had a rash of injuries. Eight players out, seven others missing significant playing time. Along the offensive line, the Cardinal at one point, uh, and I think it's still at this point, they are down to six healthy players and they are forced now to start three true freshmen along that line. Senior quarterback K.J. Costello is out with injuries, so junior David Mills will get the start. Pretty much a passer only. Mills has played really pretty well in relief of Costello, hitting on 67% of his passes, good for nine touchdowns against five interceptions. Sophomore Michael Wilson is the leading overall receiver with 46 catches, good for 246 yards and four touchdowns, closely followed by Mackey Award semifinalist tight end Colby Parkinson, who has 45 catches, good for 552 yards, but only one touchdown. 6'4", sophomore Simi Fihoko, he has six touchdowns, only has 18 catches, but has 503 yards, good for an impressive 27.3-yard average per catch. Gone are the days of Christian McCaffrey, Bryce Levin, touchdown Tommy Vardell, because the Stanford running game has hit on hard times, perhaps attributable to the inexperience of the offensive line. This rushing attack is averaging just 104 yards per game, 123rd nationally. Senior Cameron Scarlett leads the team with a 4.2-yard per, av- per yard carry average and six touchdowns. Stanford is 110th in scoring offense at 21.5 points per game. Senior linebacker Andrew Pritz leads the Cardinal in tackles, and senior linebacker Casey Tuhill is the leader in sacks and tackles for loss on a defense that is giving 428 yards per game and 28 points. Stanford has been better against the run than the pass, They are allowing an average of 281 yards through the air per game. 
With the injuries and the losing season, Stanford is playing lots of freshmen. Fifteen of them saw action last week against Cal. Even the Stanford kicker, Jet Toner, is out with injury. So freshman Ryan Sandborg has taken over there. The weather forecast for Saturday calls for wind and rain. Oh, no. Tim, this is it for this Stanford team. At 4-7, and seven, they're going to miss the bowl season for the first time since 2008. So they have a choice. Play hard to try and salvage something from the season or phone it in. What is the Aspen mortgage key to an Irish victory? I really like Mills at quarterback. I, I think he has a lot of assets. The problem is he's playing behind an offensive line. As you mentioned, three starters that are freshmen, and they're too deep. So we're talking about 10 players on the offensive line. Eight of them are freshmen. Um, the big play possibility was Simi Fehoko, uh, averaging about 28 yards per catch. That's really, I mean, other than, you know, some catastrophic thing with turnovers, something along those lines, but I'm going to say no big plays because they can't run it and they can't stop the pass. And the only way they can beat Notre Dame is if they hit a couple big plays. And I don't think that they're really capable of doing that. Although I do like Davis Mills and that Fehoko combination. Okay, limit the big plays or stop the big plays. That is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage Key player for the Irish? Well, I, you know, I think somebody in that last week we said Chris Fink and uh, Cole Komet, and um, they did hit big along with Chase Claypool. I'm going to go back to the, those guys. I guess I didn't mention Braden Lindsay. How about if I single out Braden Lindsay because there are big plays to be had against this this pass defense. I don't know that I've ever seen so many wide open guys running around the secondary as I did watching Stanford film. Um, Lindsay did it on a handoff last week. I'm going to focus on Lindsay with a big play in the passing game, just like he had against Navy. Okay, Braden Lindsay certainly capable of those big plays, uh, and uh, Stanford apt to give some of them up. And that is your Aspen Mortgage key player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the injury report, brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 19 Indiana locations. Tim, how do the Irish stand health-wise going into the regular season finale? Well, it continues to be bad news on the interior defensive line, uh, which I guess is good news since Nordic's going against so many freshman offensive linemen. But uh, Myron Tagovailoa-Mosa is out. Uh, Jason Adamiola, his backup, was out last week. They expect him back, but he won't be 100%. Uh, They don't want to play Howard Cross because they don't want to burn a year of eligibility, and Jacob Lacey's playing with a bad shoulder. So they're going to have to be a little bit creative. Um, Isaiah Foskey has a game to play. The freshman defensive end has a game to play while still preserving your eligibility. I wouldn't be surprised if they took one of those bigger defensive ends, Tamir Jones, Adeo Gundeji, maybe Khalid Kareem, and put them inside on occasion just to uh, handle the, the the injury situation they have at defensive tackle. Well, if Clark Lee's been good at anything, and uh, as we actually said in the first segment, uh, he's adaptable, and the Irish are going to have to be adaptable in the middle of that defensive line this week. Thanks, Tim, and that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, Brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Tim Priester, Vegas says the Irish by 16 and a half. What does America's foremost authority say? And that line has continued to go up, Phil. Uh, and the over-under is 51, which tells me the odds makers are saying Stanford is not going to score very many points in this game. And I've kind of been overestimating Notre Dame opponents with regard to their 
their scoring output. Um, and I don't want to make that mistake again this week. I, I, I as much as I like, I like Davis Mills at quarterback, they are bad in the red zone offensively. They're bad in the red zone defensively. Their secondary can't stop anybody because they're young back there. Not as young as the offensive line, but still inexperienced. I, you know, I just don't think Notre Dame is going to miss their mark. It's not as urgent as last year when you were 11-0 going to USC, but I think Notre Dame wants his 10th victory very badly. I have Notre Dame 35, Stanford 13. 35 to 13. That is Tim Priester's world famous Irish Illustrated prediction. Uh, Tim, the Irish offense, I, I like to say now, typically has five touchdowns in it, but the weather kind of has me concerned. And I also expect Stanford to play hard. However, they are definitely overmatched for all the reasons you just stated, particularly by Clark Lee's defense. The Irish will pull away from this football game in the second half and win 31 to 17. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.